Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Make sure to rate and subscribe before we become invisible, because we're watching Season 6, Episode 11, Gone. I'm your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John, and why doesn't everyone else introduce yourself with what table you're placed at for Anya and Xander's wedding? Uh, hi, my name is uh, John. I am probably going to be at uh, table 5 in the back with Bob Sasko and... <laughs> Kathy Kolb. I'm Travis, and I would not get an invite to the wedding because this uh, person does not know me. <laughs> I'm uh, David Yoder, and I also don't know that I would have a seat at the table because I'm uh, I'm not a regular here, although you may be confused because I've been on a lot of episodes recently. <laughs> I think you are a regular now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I stopped. I, that's why I purposely didn't introduce you as a special guest. Well, I'm not a special guest anymore. All right. Woo! He's part of the opening credits. Yeah, my name is Michael. I've only seen Buffy up to season six, episode 11, gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like maybe put me, yeah, on a table with a bunch of, uh, you know, the relatives you shouldn't, you didn't want to invite, you know. You should be on the table as a buffer between Willow and Tara or Tara, because like, I can't believe they were thinking about putting them together. But I guess we'll get into that. Yeah, maybe I could just be, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a sacrifice of some kind at their wedding just because it's a half demon wedding. So yeah, I'll just be the virgin <laughs> sacrifice. <laughs> But I'm only a Buffy virgin, guys. <laughs> Hello. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, so we are going to be talking about Gone, but first we're going to do reactions to Flooded. Audience reactions. This episode, by the time we're at the time we're recording this, this episode only went up like two days ago. Uh, but we've had like. Very strong reactions to it, like a lot more con conversation than normal. And I think it's really awesome. I'm only going to show, uh, do a little bit clips of it, but I really do love all the back and forth that's been going on. Um, In regard to the confrontation between Giles and Willow, Willow's argument is very Machiavellian, and she threatens him. Well, I don't think she would hurt him. She's saying she could if he doesn't back down. Yeah. Yeah, she's totally threatening him. Yeah, saying I could threaten you, but I'm not going to. Like, like, like saying I could hurt that you, but I'm not going threat. to. That is what a threat is, right? That's like <laughs> could if, be a threat. If it's like, I guess if if you're saying I'm definitely going to murder you tomorrow, like nothing, no matter what you do, then that's not. I a guess threat. that's also a promise. threat. Yeah, yeah, that's a promise. Yeah, no, that's right. Okay. Well, Nasala says I'm in agreement with Alex. Giles accepted the father role for Buffy, not Dawn or any of the other Scoobies. Certainly not to the point where he should sacrifice having any life of his own for them. Uh, he is not skipping out on anyone. Not when there are other adults, Tara, Willow, he believes to be responsible and there to look after Dawn. He immediately comes uh, back for his daughter, Buffy, and he definitely goes to... Uh, goes he definitely does get to have an opinion on what happened as it directly affects Buffy, who whom he never abandoned. There's, there's definitely more to both of their things, but I'm just trying to trim through. And Travis, why don't you read this one? Yes. Well, Priceless says, I'm with you all the way, Travis. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Giles ran away and left the care of a child to a couple of college students and a carpenter. Booyah. <laughs> Priceless gets it. Yoder, why don't you read this next little bit? I like the idea that carpenters can't take care of children. Just a bit of trivia for you guys. Did you know Adam Bush, who plays Warren and Amber Benson, are dating and have been for like 15 years? I didn't uh, know that. I, feel yeah, like this I, is I saw that, though. That's crazy. I feel like this is information I've, I keep 
like I've heard a lot of times, but it doesn't make any sense to me. So I keep erasing <laughs> it from my brain, and it's new every right. single time. Because you can't think they have the sense. actors from the characters. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, for me, I feel like that makes Warren and also the actor that plays him like more gross. Like I'm sorry, <laughs> but, like, it's just like that, what did he that's do? Weird, Use a man. spell? Use some sort of terrible spell on her? Um, I bet he made a robot of Amber Benson, and he like has the real Amber Benson locked up somewhere. And the uh, dingo action goes uh, full copper repipe. And over on like <laughs> over on Facebook and on different things, that was most of our comments we got back were full copper repipe or mmm cookies. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, the most important meal. You should eat it three times a day. <laughs> All right. Uh, so thank you guys, everybody, uh, for listening to Flooded. Uh, and now let's find out what Gone was about by listening to the summary for that. The summary. In Gone, a social worker shows up to check on Buffy, and she's a little disappointed. Is Buffy a stoner or covering for one? Meanwhile, the trio fight over who gets to use the new invisibility gun and accidentally hit Buffy, who can no longer show off her new haircut. Invisible Buffy shows up at the magic box. Xander logically assumes that Willow is responsible. Buffy uses her invisibility to screw with Doris, the social worker, who after watching her coffee cup dance in the air, might be believably suffering psychosis. Buffy has invisible sex with Spike when Xander and Anya show up, and it's just Spike doing push-ups while Buffy teases him. It's cute, but weird. The trio kidnap Willow and challenge Buffy to an invisible battle at the arcade. Willow changes the frequency of the ray gun, and people are made revisible. and Buffy discovers it's the trio and not demons that are responsible for the invisible shit when they disappear into a cloud of smoke. And they're gone. And now on to Great Lines. Great Lines. Uh, this line's basically a constant one. It's such a great callback joke. So I just picked one of them that made me laugh. Buffy got her hair cut? And that's just Willow. This haircut bit is so funny and stupid, and it made me laugh every time they talked about <laughs> how Buffy got a haircut, even though she's invisible and they can't see it. <laughs> And then when they can't see it, it's like, damn, that's cute. Looking good. You're adorable. <laughs> All right. I thought uh, Spike was very funny. <clears throat> Try to do my Spike voice. Buffy's a great mom. For instance, when Dawn was hanging too, out too much in my crypt, she put a stop to it. Crypt? Buffy says, crib. He said crib. I just love this. Spike saying crypt and crib and like just saying inappropriate things like uh, when the social worker shows up. Spike actually trying is so much worse than Spike. Like... <laughs> Like, just being a jerk? Yeah, totally. Uh, I chose two lines. This first one from Anya, uh, when they find out, like, what the consequences are. She goes, she's pudding. Uh, <laughs> and this last one from uh, Warren, uh, when he inter- finally introduces himself to Buffy. We're your arch nemesis. <laughs> Uh, I picked a line from Buffy with the social worker that comes in. Uh, she says, I know what that looks like, but I swear it's not what it looks like. It's magic weed, <laughs> you know, which clears up everything. Uh, along the same lines, my, my great line is uh, Buffy. Uh, she's taking the candles away. She says, yeah, well, you know, to you and me, they're just candles. But to witches, they're like bongs, <laughs> which... I feel like this episode is like openly, in a way, openly making fun of the previous episode with its ridiculous magic drugs metaphor. Yeah. Oh, man. Especially right after that when they, they're like, the bird, 
There's crystals in the bird. It's just like, you can hide your drugs in it. <laughs> I get high off these crystals. All right, guys. Let's do the kill count. The kill count. This episode, surprisingly, zero murder-death kills, but four human... Yeah? What about that pinball machine? <laughs> Get into that. Good lord, that's not a human. <laughs> you've done you've done other deaths of like inanimate things, I think, before in the past. Like I literally have a whole list here if you could look at the uh... Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> Zero murder death kills, but four human invisibilities, multiple objects invisible, one home visit from a social worker, and one kidnapping. And I didn't call it the pinball because Mike's got that in the notes. Sorry. <laughs> the shaming of David Yoder <laughs> continues. <laughs> I'll leave now. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Weird Noticings and Trivia. Weird Noticings. So I guess, like, the, the start of this episode, my first thought really was, Willow's still allowed to leave here after, like, what happened, or live here after, like, what happened in the last episode. It's just kind of shocking to me, because it's like, she really endangered Dawn's life, like. Yeah, but I think, I mean, I think the gang has the right attitude towards uh, addiction, that, that, you know, that they're going to try to help uh, Willow heal and support her. That seems to be most people's attitude. Like, nobody is like, just like, fuck you, Willow. (laughs) I guess not a fuck you. I don't. It just. It's also. It just. It still feels really weird that like. Why is Willow living in Buffy's house still? Like, I. I, I guess mean, why she was she living out? there in the first place? I guess. Is the yeah, right but question. as it carries on, it, it like I don't know. It. Why does she still have the big bedroom? Yeah, it's like just convenience to have like all your characters closer together for TV sake. Although I like the idea that uh, they'd be like. Well, Willow, you can stay here, but we're going to put you in the little bedroom now. Go. There's your punishment room. Um, I really just wanted to call out Buffy's amazing. Either It's either a Jaguar shirt or like a Panther shirt. Like, it's an amazingly cool shirt. And that, there's a lot of great t-shirts in this episode. A lot of really good, t- like, there's like a Skinny Skulls t-shirt later on. Like, t-shirt, t-shirt game was on point this episode. There was a SpongeBob uh, Yeah, there's a SpongeBob yeah, t-shirt. It, if you uh, freeze frame it, it says... Uh, SpongeBob Square Briefs. <laughs> um, speaking of, you know, I guess this is weird noticings. Uh, Spike's lighter gets premium prop placement in this episode. Like, I, does the lighter even get a flashback of itself? Yeah, like, <laughs> it does. Yeah. Like, that's premium prop placement. Like, I didn't even associate the lighter immediately with Spike, which is why they do the flashback. Thank you very much. Uh, but they, but you know, then you think about it, you're like, gosh, Spike has that lighter all the time. He's always fiddling with it. He's he started. There's some arson that's been started because of this lighter. <laughs> like this is a classic Spike lighter. They should do an episode that's just about the lighter <laughs> while like Buffy stuff happens in the background, and they could call it right. Zippo. <laughs> I was gonna say, didn't we already do that? <laughs> Zippo. Because like I was rewatching uh, uh, season six, good. episode yeah. one, and like there's. Totally, like Spike uses the lighter to light a vampire in fire, oh, yeah. rather than um, save Giles directly, so that Giles can stress out a little bit. You know, because I was trying to pull that line. It's like cup of tea, cup of tea, got shy, cup of tea. Premium, premium prop. Uh, now that I'm reminded of its existence. So, even though breakfast is the most important meal of the day, 
Dawn is still skipping breakfast. She must really hate breakfast. Like, I wouldn't eat that omelet anyway. She doesn't hate breakfast. She hates she hates uh, Willow because the whole thing is that Tara makes her breakfast. Tara's always making her pancakes and stuff. And so when Willow is like, oh, Donnie, I'll make you breakfast. I'll step into that role. Uh, I don't know. Dawn's I mean, just like, like, fuck you. I'm just saying as like a main reason for watching Breaking Bad is all the great breakfasts. Here you Very get true. like just skipping breakfast. And like yes. last episode, there was like a burnt pancake even. It's like, oh my God, you're like torturing me here. Like with the waste of the breakfast food. Breaking Bad is mostly <laughs> a show about breakfast. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so Spike's appearance in the kitchen, full on cartoon magic. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like there's a bunch of smoke coming off of. <laughs> like he just shows up. Oh, it's the neighborhood, whatever he says. Like that... Uh, they're in Bugs Bunny territory big time. And maybe this this particular episode more than any other. Like this really sets if this was your first episode of Buffy, you would you would have no idea how I mean this is just amazing cartoon magic. Uh, yeah. It's funny, like they even bother to like give him smoke and everything, because obviously he's not affected at all by the sun. <laughs> like, that is a very well lit by the sun kitchen, and it doesn't like his, cr- his crypt later on is full on in sunlight. Like there's there's full on windows with no drapes in his crypt. Like it's uh, bad. This guy, Buffy, like Sarah Michelle Gellar is very obviously wearing a wig through these beginning scenes, and it's made so much worse by like I know story wise why they need to do it, but like Spike even like talks about her hair. He's like, oh, I love that hair, and then he touches it and he's like, I love it when it bounces. Um, but it's like just the stroking of this like really blatant wig um, only draws more attention to it. They should like I wish they could have just ignored it. But obviously Buffy's already got the haircut in real life. Do you think that's something that would have played differently uh, in SD? Like if you're while we're watching it, I think you're watching it on streaming, right, Dennis? Uh, yeah, yeah. This episode I watched on streaming. I do kind of half and half based on my energy levels, whether I feel like. <laughs> putting a dvd <laughs> in can i be bothered to put the <laughs> disc in the player i put my dvd i put my blu-ray player like too high too high <laughs> up you need a step stool whenever i see somebody though who like has a part in their hair and then you still still can't see their scalp there's still like that like one inch space that's like always really stands out as weak to me oh yeah and then uh xander interrupts their foreplay or whatever it says, "Good Godfrey, Good Godfrey Cambridge Spike," and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" I had to like put on captions because at first I heard, "Good God Pre Cambridge Spike," and I was like, "Pre Cambridge," so Good God uh, uh, Godfrey Cambridge. Do anyone does anyone know who no, that is? No, please explain this. Uh, he was a uh, stand-up comedian and an uh, actor. Uh, let me. I found somewhere a list of some of his credits. Um, they. Sounds so weird. So he's a yeah African American stand up. Uh, he, he had a um, movie called The Watermelon Man. Um, what he era was in, like was this person active? Uh, he was oh, more active in like the the early sixties, I guess. But he's he was in Cotton Comes to Harlem and Friday Foster and Beware the Blob. So I know I've seen Beware the Blob and Friday Foster, but like. Like, really odd reference. Yeah, I don't understand why. And, like, also, how does Xander know? Well, Xander makes sense. Xander is a fan of comedy, so he would do, like, pull out these weird deep... But I I can't imagine him watching The Watermelon Man. I don't know. Well, speaking of dated references, uh, it was weird to me that, like, with the social worker showing up, 
it kind of made it apparent that like all of Don's friends are like these 20 to 30 year olds. Like how weird is that? Like for like a 15 year old to always be hanging around like these adults. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a constant of the show. And it's because Buffy's her sister, but it was just kind of made more apparent this time. It's definitely a kind of kid. Like and you can always tell them like when I teach kids, you can tell the kind of kid who only hangs out with adults because they don't fit in with the other kids and they use, you know, words that are too big and they talk like adults. Nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we meet Doris Kroger, um, and I feel like the show is like trying to be trying to paint her as a villain a little. Like she's a real like Chastity Pariah or Dolores Umbridge type. Um, Chastity Pariah, for those who don't know, is the like villain in Elvira's Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Um, she's like that. Like I run this town, and everything offends me. But like, is but is Doris? Kroger that type like I haven't seen her do anything that isn't reasonable she seems super (laughs) oh I know oh totally I think we're all on her side I mean they do a good job of setting up the insanity of Buffy's household yeah I mean just like later when like Buffy pranks her it's like this is not nice it feels yeah it feels like we're supposed to be on Buffy's side but I'm not like Buffy's being horrible (laughs) And uh, it's supposed to be like, yeah, you know, screw her for trying to take Dawn away. But no, she's doing her job and her job is really important. And she's doing it with a reasonable amount of compassion. And like, it's such an important and uh, thankless job. Uh, But also like it works, like Buffy's pranking works and she's going to get reevaluated. It's like, yeah, yeah. Doris might have lost her job (laughs) and her mind. I would fall for that prank. I would fall for the... uh, (laughs) you know kill people prank or whatever this is (laughs) (laughs) oh no so dennis i feel like you kind of tipped this happening earlier uh in another episode but the diamond finally goes in a gun this time that the trio has so maybe you're just misremembering or something yeah i don't know know that i know you you steal a gun from a you steal a diamond from a museum to use it for a gun i just got confused because there was also a freeze ray yeah, and it could have very well happened off screen with the freeze ray. Like it was unclear. But um, I love the ILM versus Edward comparison. I'd never <laughs> heard it before, um, and they're basically talking about the fr- you know the invisibility ray and how it looks, and just like man, that that's such a perfect way to both um, like it's like the prop is looks cool, but it doesn't look that cool. Like this is a we've got this amazing prop. How can we, how would you, how would a nerd actually frame this? And it's like, it is a total Ed Wood prop, but it, I mean, it's, it's, it's better than that. It's in between. I mean, it's like a Bugs Bunny, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I love that comparison, which I just, they just nail it per, like immediately. So uh, one of the amazing things about this episode is that uh, when they're in the uh, nerd lair in the basement uh, and later also when Willow comes in, actually you get some better shots of it uh so there's enough to actually read uh this entire whiteboard with the plans for the invisibility ray and all of the parts are labeled it's actually pretty excellent um also like just like their whiteboard drawing skills are fantastic i just want to give them some credit for that um a couple of things first of all the theory uh governing the invisibility ray is really nicely uh laid out here so i'm just gonna read that into the record if uh, you don't mind it's a little bit hard to read give me uh some patience here. Uh, okay, so here's how the invisibility ray works. A, visual scanners record light reflected data, parentheses LRD. B, CPU simulates LRD projecting artificial data through diamond. C, 
Diamond reflects absolute inverse of LRD. D. Light oscillator shaft, LDS, or LOS, uses absolute inverse data to construct designer atoms with inverse uh, pyropaths, I guess. E. The designer atoms, parentheses, electron orbs, uh, are something. Emitted. As a, emitted, thank you. Are emitted as a beam. Subject is... Coated. What do you think? Coated, yeah. Subject is coated with solid photonic matter, canceling light reflecting... What do you think, Travis? Ability. Okay, ability. Ah, canceling light reflecting ability. Good. And then there's an arrow. Thus, subject retains attains invisibility. So that's the theory. Uh, it's all about designer atoms. Wow. Uh, and then my favorite part is uh, to the left of that, they have a list of their secondary projects. Uh, project one is freeze ray, fix bugs, exclamation point. <laughs> project two, isotonic muscle builder. Yeah. And project Strong. three is pheromone spray. <laughs> this is, a, yeah, that's a lot of work for like a background prop. Yeah. There's actually another similar like one for the freeze ray, uh, but there's never a shot where you can actually read it. All that science just so they could look at girls naked. That was their plan. Yeah. Invisibility, you only create that for creepy reasons. There's no, like, <laughs> um, I'm going to be invisible. No, me. <laughs> so Buffy, when you know she gave herself the haircut or her wig the haircut, was anybody else like, oh, that's a quarantine cut? <laughs> <laughs> I... I I do think it's a little bit weird that like it's it's a haircut that she gives herself in a moment of like sort of self-loathing and uh, bottoming out where she so hates herself for sleeping with Spike. Um, and then later everyone's just giving her all this positive reinforcement for that. It's, it's it really is like a Britney Spears haircut. It's like a freak out haircut. Yeah. Um, but it turns out well, I guess. Well, she gets but, it touched uh, up at the barbershop. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. But like it's got to feel weird. I know it would feel weird for me. Like, if I gave myself a haircut out of, like, a moment of desperation, and then later I got a bunch of compliments on it, secretly inside, those would all cut. Mm. Ah, deep, man. Uh, And we just want to call out that, like, the reason for this dramatic haircut and stuff is because of Felicity's Law. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) For those who don't know, J.J. Abrams' time travel show Felicity famously on the WB lost amount, a huge amount of ratings when Felicity got a haircut. And so the WB like created Felicity's law where no main female character could get a haircut ever. <laughs> but now they're on UPN and Felicity's law no longer pertains. Is that an actual law like punishable by jail time or you get thrown out of the WB man. Oh, okay. Those are people looking for any excuse to stop watching that show. In the crypt, on his blood fridge, Spike has a flyer for something called Primal Trance. And it's kind of hard to read the name of it even because it's in such a ridiculous cyberpunk font. And so I Googled it. And Primal Trance was a, and I think maybe even still is, a yearly rave in LA. Like a full-on, like, uh, pacifiers and glow sticks rave scene situation. Uh, and it's just really fun to imagine Spike going to one of those. It doesn't yeah. seem like his scene, but it seems like he might go anyway. Like, I kind of uh, believe that. I kind of believe it. I don't know. It makes sense for like old Spike, like, cause he's also the guy who went to Woodstock to drink flower 
children. That's right. About, that's right. right. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like it would be more annoying for him now because like you wouldn't be able to drink any of the the blood banks. Oh, true. But he, I think he always enjoys the experience of filtering drugs through blood. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is old Spike. His version of uh, like a, uh, a vanilla latte. Um, it's nice to hear Uncle Rory get name checked again. We haven't heard that guy's name in a long time. Yep. <laughs> just his name. <laughs> well, we've never met him, but we've we never, just yeah, we never met Uncle Rory. Just his name. He's still alive. That's yeah. some, that, that, that says something in that town. <laughs> uh, Michael, do you remember the? Yes, Uncle I remember Rory Uncle Rory. Story? Yeah, yeah, because he loaned him the loaned uh, Xander the car. Yeah, so I think. Well, I have a prediction about Uncle Rory. But I'll get I'll do it later. <laughs> um, another zoom in enhance, speaking of Uncle Rory, is uh, you can make out a good chunk of, not all of, but a good chunk of the wedding seating plan. I Googled a number of these names. I was kind of really hoping this would have been like a fun Easter egg that these would have all been uh, the names of people who worked on Buffy. I, that may be true of some of them. Uh, Roxanne Griffin, for example, is a name that you can see here. Uh, and uh, there is a Roxanne Griffin who is a hairstylist who is not credited as working on Buffy, but is credited as working on both uh, Dollhouse and Firefly. So I huh. feel like maybe she was, uh, that was a person that they knew. Um, I couldn't find any evidence of any of the other names being connected with Buffy. Um, and a lot of them are just kind of very generic uh, names of there's a million people like there's Lori Lane and John Lane and a million people with those names. Um, uh, but Lori the one thing, a good name, very like uh, Superman. Yeah. Uh, Lori Lane is actually apparently a manga character. Anyway, uh, uh, but the one thing that's really heartbreaking is that there's a, a little tag for Willow and then a little tag next to it for Tara with a question mark. It's just Aww. so sad. That is so sad. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Also, Buffy has to sit next to Xander's parents. Like, is that going to be? <laughs> well, they're kind of discussing that as as Buffy walks in, right? They're sort of like, is Buffy going to be at the same table as Xander's parents and Uncle Rory? Or are they going to, how are they going to move that around? How do they make that work? And then there's a table, there's like, I can't, you kind of got cropped out in the picture I have here, but um, there's a, a, like an extra table that's almost been pasted on from a separate piece of paper that just has Dawn and then someone else's name you can't see. I, I assume that's the kid's table. Hmm. Is this going to be Dawn and some eight-year-old? I have no idea. <laughs> Poor Dawn. This sounds like a really rough wedding to plan. Can't believe Xander doesn't even want in there. I agree with Anya. <laughs> it's rude not to invite him. <laughs> I don't know. Do you really? I'm not going to, if I, well, I, I got married and invited no one, but if I were to get married again, I would, I would not, uh, I would not invite any ex-bosses. That's for sure. I mean, you don't, you don't have a boss. More, he's you... more than an ex-boss. They've been, they've known each other for literally a thousand, a thousand years. Okay. That's good. A thousand yeah. years. For me, it's more the thousand years than the ex-boss piece. Yeah. But you have to remember that, uh, that she's very focused on work. So she's going to value work relationships. So I was just going crazy when they kept calling the traffic cone a pylon. I was like, pylon, pylon, what? I was just going so crazy. <laughs> like, <clears throat> like pylon for me is more on a bridge. And I, I Wikipedia pylon. And I guess some people will call a traffic cone a traffic pylon. But dude, it looks like a cone. It's shaped like a cone. Like it's, you can put it on your head like a cone. Yeah. I stop want, calling it I a pylon. I wonder if it's like a regional thing. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I could not. I, I was like, WTF. <laughs> I was also outraged by them not calling it a, a traffic cone. <laughs> I like that uh, just when Willow finds it, she has to describe it so much. It's like everybody knows what a traffic cone is. You don't have to be yeah. like. 
Well, it's almost like it was written by someone who didn't speak English as a first language because like you only describe something if like you can't name it. It's like you don't describe what like a glass of milk looks like. You say, oh, this is a glass of milk. It's like, uh, so it's like a glass cylinder. You know uh, that white, cylinder white that's creamy open. stuff that cow, comes out of a cow and people drink it? It's like a rural beverage made in the rural countryside, and, and it can be made into other things as well. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, this, 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 this object is just half full of it. You know, you're just half full of it. And it's like other people are like, man, this thing's half empty. I don't know. It's my rant. I was so angry about this traffic cone. I love it. That's what I come here for. You're ready for your own daytime talk show. You really are. <laughs> uh, so, is anyone else surprised that Invisible Buffy turns into a prop comic? Seriously. Uh, <laughs> I was reminded of when, when Xander got really angry that he lost a uh, class clown to a prop comic. <laughs> Anybody can be a prop class clown. <laughs> I did like the bit with the balls that like had the eyes on them. I thought that was Yeah, that fun. was a solid bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would, it's fun to see her play that way. I also just prefer that because they just get to I'm invisible immediately because, like, it's unclear how they're going to handle that, you know, after she turns invisible, but she just walks right in the magic shop and it's like starts doing the prop comedy. <laughs> yeah. But it is unbelievable how far they take it. Like, yeah. it, I think it's they cool do- they kind of get a do-over on, like, classic monster concepts that, like, we've done invisible, but... Season six, we'll just do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's from an entirely different, you know. It's yeah. Like, this isn't about feeling, like, neglected. This is, like, some other whole thing. So Buffy got zapped with the ray when she was wearing her clothes, and her clothes turned invisible, as Xander points out. Uh, but couldn't she just put on, like, new clothes, and then at least, like, that part of her would be <laughs> visible, right? Like, like, if she did a change of outfit? Yeah. I mean, that's what they do in most invisible movies they put on yeah. some clothes i mean i feel like she wouldn't just want to like buffy's whole thing is yeah, she right. actually likes being invisible what's spike's amazing line the like free from your life is another line for that there's another name for that it's called dead i was kind of surprised by like how buffy just acts like a completely different person almost when she becomes invisible the like like you said the prop comic but also like she goes on a real prank like borderline criminal like spree here like I all the stuff she was doing in the park. I don't know what the easy target was with the joggers, like just to trip them or something. But like, like you talked about, like the social worker worker telling her to kill people. Like <laughs> that was like, like what? Like who is this person doing this stuff? The uh, person with the studded cap who she steals from Travis. Did you get big like Amy Acker vibes from her? Uh, not too much. When she's like, "I'm doing you a favor." Is that was that the one? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one. I didn't get much big vibes from that. I'd have to rewatch the scene. It was like random. I mean, it, this is this is like an extra. I feel like this this episode was if it didn't have such a strong plot, it feels like this was pieced together through through like scenes that were cut from other episodes. Like it's like it's a patch <laughs> it's like a patchwork quilt episode. I was just wondering like if it was like Sarah Michelle Gellar like got a new haircut, so they have to address that. And also like she's only available for like two days on set this week or something because like it's a very like, <laughs> yeah, like light she day had, for she had, her. Like a medical emergency, like she or she got a horrible sunburn. Or like I, I'm trying to like rationalize this episode. I mean, the justification for turning invisible is probably the hardest thing. Where she's exiting the barber, sh- you know, the the stylist, right? And then the dudes are. Or the trio is like, I want to be invisible so I can 
pranker follower be a creep, right? Like they're just they completely unplanned for that moment, and then they get her invisible plus nearby accessories, whatever. I I don't know that that's just like so goofy, but uh, they do have an invisible sex scene, and uh, that's what I want to talk about for a minute because uh, yeah, wow, they go all the way with this gag. This is a proper like 18th century restoration drama gag that they pull pull <laughs> off here, where Spike is having sex with Buffy, Xander appears, uh talks down to spike which by the way i think like that would be an immediate buzz kill but not for spike he's able to hold it together because he knows what's really going on (laughs) that apparently when one person in the sex scene is invisible you can be as explicit as you want yeah so Uh, much thrusting (laughs) when he's doing the fake push-ups on top of her like yeah yeah that's something. And, and when Dude, they had the noise, they had like the like the the Buffy sex noise when he was doing the push-ups. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh man! What happens if in the future Xander puts this together? He's gonna be. I like. I would be if I was in Xander's shoes. I would be so pissed off at Buffy. That is so gross. I, I would probably vomit. I don't like, know. Yeah. Like if I was invisible, I wouldn't be like. Let me look for ways to have sex in front of my friends. <laughs> That would not be my immediate go-to. Yeah, it's kind of unreal that she can throw away all her shame just as an invisible version of herself. Uh, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is kind of the whole thing. And I think, again, it speaks to her, like, the nihilism that she feels, right? But So we're we're like, she's the closest she has ever been to Anarchy Riley. Like, this is Anarchy Buffy. Like, this This is Anarchy Buffy. Or, 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 like, this This is, is, like, part demon Buffy. Like, what is this, the Buffy came back wrong like I don't know. There's not even like a good explanation. Like, or she's acting more. I like have a good explanation, actually. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the book, uh, the Dark Sacrament: True Stories of Modern Day Demon Possession and Exorcism. The Dark Sacrament. <laughs> that uh, this is a very like Catholic propaganda book. There was a gift. Um, says that if you're ever sexually assaulted by an invisible force, it is in fact not a ghost but a demon possession. That the demon might try to simulate being a person with their shapes and feels and even with their Ouija backstory they give you. But the sexual assault is always the mark of a demon possession. (laughs) Wow. When was this this published? Uh, When was this book from? I want an 1800s. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It's probably from the 1950s. It's uh, 2007. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, how, wait, so wait, there are still people, Catholic people, pushing that kind of stuff? Yeah, totally. God. I read this book sometimes before bed, and it gives me the spooks, and then I have spooky dreams. I'll say, God, that's that terrifying. <laughs> that's such a dentist thing to do, like, <laughs> to read, like, a scary, weird book, and it's like, I'm in it for the feels, and it's like, <laughs> how am I going to scare my subconscious into having some amazing monster dreams? I know. <laughs> Catholic propaganda. <laughs> Imagine how scared you would have been during the Middle Ages, Dennis. Like, Middle Ages, Dennis would have been, like, all about the Catholic Church. You would have been like, oh, man, yes, I saw all these amazing drawings of these people being eaten by demons. And you'd be like, oh, yeah. I've thought about it a lot, actually. And medieval Dennis would have become a monk. Yeah. Start drawing those illuminated manuscripts. Get into beer brewing. That would Definitely. have been my whole thing. Dude, you, <laughs> totally, <laughs> bad. you totally would have, oh, man. my God. Love You'd it. be like, I'm left alone, I drink my beer, I do my manuscripts, and it's like, yeah, it's like no stress. 
So, uh, Buffy, we see her, like, silhouette, or we see a little bit of her body in the sheets, and it just reminded me, they were working on this effect with the Terra ghost earlier. So it's just interesting, like, effects-wise, to see them kind of like, this is a new effect for them, and now we're going to see it a couple times as they figure it out, figure out new uses for it. So I guess to make up for how little we see of Sarah Michelle Geller this episode, we get to see a heck of a lot of James Marsters. Uh, uh, like, I feel like that camera, like, if uh, if the widescreen was, like, top and bottom rather than left and right for Hulu, like, it'd probably have to be, like, uh, a sensor bar there because it was, like... <laughs> Right, right at the hip line, like. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, James Marsters has been working out a lot this season for <laughs> these scenes, um, and they're gonna use them. I feel like this is like right before, like, it became really commonplace for actors to get into crazy shape for mm-hmm. roles all the time. Like, you know, if you look at like early superhero movies, it's not like Michael Keaton was getting or Val Kilmer were getting like super. <laughs> ripped to become batman you know like right it's just like he just stopped eating french fries for a few weeks right yeah like, like <laughs> and this is like before way before the machinist which is like the super famous it's not a famous movie but it's a famous movie for like uh that british body actor, transformation body transformation that. by that british actor that's bale bale chris chris bale he's one of the chris you guys, you guys. Either he goes by Christian Bale more than Chris Bale. But dude, it, 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 he's, oh, he's I, one of the I 20 Chris's in Hollywood. I heard it as Crisp Bale. Like yeah, I heard like, Crisp as well. Like he's a potato chip. At one point, um, the trio, I think Andrew's talking about uh, how Lex Luthor doesn't kill Superman. It's like Lex Luthor totally tries to kill Superman. That's like his main thing. <laughs> he like loses... I think an entire hand because he's wearing like a kryptonite ring for a long time because like he's just like ready to like kill Superman. So like I I always thought that ring was more about protection. Like he's saying like even Superman can't fuck with me until he. I'm just saying as someone that's read a lot of Superman comics, watched a lot of Superman media, Lex is trying to kill Superman. (laughs) (laughs) And you can debate me on Twitter about that. No, Andrew is totally wrong. (laughs) David Yoder knows more about Superman than Andrew. It's wild to me. It feels like shocking when Willow got caught. You're like, it's Willow. She hasn't been caught in so long. She's out of the game now. She's lost her powers. Uh, it's just wild. Also totally wild that the 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 gang, whatever, whatever their name is, we don't know yet, um, made themselves invisible after knowing the f- that, that is a potential fatality. Yeah, that's a crazy plan. I, I guess we're not talking about Willow so much. Let me just jump in and make the comment about it. Because, like, she actually hunts down the gang, the trio, by going to the DMV and looking at records, right? Yeah. Like just getting like, hopping on a DMV computer like it's an internet cafe. Well, no, she goes to the internet cafe. She goes to the... She's at the espresso pump. She's at the espresso pump. And, and the espresso like, pump has this amazing cyber cafe thing okay, set up. Okay. Uh, sure, I sure. have a screenshot of it, which I didn't uh, put in. Let me give you one second here. <laughs> So the espresso, so the espresso pump apparently has a cyber cafe kiosk setup called the E Pump, uh, with rates of twelve, two fifty, and five hundred. I don't know what that means. What what that that's per minute or megabyte? I have no idea. Once again, proof. Um, but it's a really cool. Deal is not t- is not part of the. It's a really games. cool little kiosk. Um, and Willow uses this to hack the DMV, even though she has her own laptop. I guess she's doing it so it won't be traced back to her. I don't know. Um, but if anybody cares to, if you. Of course, because it's a Buffy computer, it's a it's a Mac uh, System Nine uh, rolling on, on this uh, thing, and um, uh, 
you can if you look at the DMV website, uh, if anyone cares, uh, we have Jonathan Levinson's address, which is seven two 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 Walnut Grove. Put it on the Buffy map, then, right? Well, I tried um, because, the, of course, the Buffy map that we have on the website is based upon um, the idea that uh, Sunnydale is a stand in uh, for uh, Santa Barbara. Um, there is no Walnut Grove uh, in Sunnydale. And in fact, there is no Walnut Grove in the United States with numbers that go all the way up to 7,222. Glad you did the research. <laughs> Answering the important questions. I'm glad you guys explained. Uh, well, there's two things. One, you know, the next the next Unabomber is going to be mailing from seven two 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 Walnut Grove, right? <laughs> the other part that's more serious is I'm so glad you figured out what the e pump was because I I totally didn't understand the the e pump like ex, like like signage, but I see in this one there's an espresso pump dealer. Like the guy's wearing yes. this weird. There's a why does it say espresso pump dealer? Like this guy's wearing a it's, shirt. It's, yeah, it's a really weird like thing, and it, like it's a thing that you would see in real life, but it doesn't make instant visual sense in a TV show. Uh, so it's strange. But like, yeah, the espresso pump is a gas station themed coffee shop. Right. Yeah, and but sort you, of always has been. Yeah. And so the e pump. Uh, what's this uh, Michael Burnett's website? Themed like it's a gas pump, but yeah. it's your it's your it's your internet kiosk. Um, yeah, I don't know. But you're not a dealer. You're like a technician or... Right. But anyways, okay, I'll, I'll stop with that. I mean, the, the, one, the least realistic thing about all this is that the um, the, the monitor for the e-pump is... Uh, they have two of them. Is, a, is an Apple cinema display. Um, those things were wicked expensive. <laughs> you would never use that for a, uh, for a coffee bar. Do you think it's like 12 minutes, 250 megabytes, or... 500 i don't know i was trying I to think know. yeah you can't read it i've tried yeah. you get a few shots of that sign who knows um you know this is riveting radio is, by the way you could do some you could do some ai upscale but anyways um also i'm like so i'm so like hungry to go to either the year 2000 or 2001 or to just a general coffee shop right now like i'd be like oh my god that would like just i'd be like just sitting there like so happy for like a billion different reasons but like i'm like oh it's so weird and different and oh I would just go to a regular coffee shop and be super happy, but can't. In the, check out the next uh, uh, screenshot up, um, in the video arcade, um, as the camera pans across, there's a moment where we see a uh, flyer for a website called mbpfx.com. This turns out to be Michael Burnett's website. Michael Burnett is a pretty well-established makeup effects and visual effects guy. Uh, He is not credited as working on Buffy, but I know he did work on Buffy because he's got uh, pictures of it on his Twitter page. Um, and, uh, MVPFX is no longer his website, but it was at the time. And if you check out, uh, through, um, the internet archive Wayback machine, uh, his website is really cool, especially for being a 2002 website. Uh, he's got really, a really cool website with, uh, images of his effects work. It's actually kind of a neat, uh, neat website checkout. I like that. It's on the World Wide web. Yeah. The flyer is itself kind of a cool artifact. Uh, gosh, this, uh, pinball machine, one of them at least. Not the one that gets destroyed, thankfully, is a uh, No Good Gophers machine, which is amazing and as a background pinball machine because it's actually a fun one and is a ripoff of like Caddyshack uh, with the Caddyshack gopher kind it. of story, but it's a really well-made pinball machine and that triggered me because I was like, oh man, pinball. Anyway, that'd be really fun. This is a fun little arcade scene, just in general. feels like a, like a real arcade, like they may have gone to an actual one or they got actual arcade machines, not strange generic ones it did seem like though they're the the invisible kids were playing tekken but it looked like the um 
box was a generic box, right? It's uh, it's dead or alive. It's the first. Oh, game it is. Yeah. Uh, although, uh, um, just although I think the, the, the joysticks are labeled uh, shoot and bomb, and there's only two buttons, uh, which I think is probably not accurate to that game. Although I haven't checked. Uh, I it is probably not accurate. I I I agree. But that's just a strong hunch. Uh, but they did it. Wow, invisible fighting. Um, yeah, uh, you know this this episode has a lot of exciting invisible stuff here. Invisible sex, and we've got invisible prop comedy, and we've got invisible fighting. Like there must be a list of all the things you're supposed to do in an invisible show, invisible episode, and they do all of them. Um, except, do they eat invisible food? Like, do they eat food as an invisible person? Because that that's pretty cool when you get the little chomp in the apple. <laughs> yeah, like they that seems like an obvious about to with the pizza. The but I don't think we got visualization i mean that uh, that leads to all kinds of unsettling questions like it's like would the wouldn't you see the food <laughs> like digesting and their stomach floating around if not like at what point does the food become part of your body and become invisible how many choose yeah uh if you if you because no, we know that is the poop um... invisible and for how long <laughs> well i'm glad i've got a bunch of researchers here to consider it because you know, <laughs> I, no no idea but uh the invisible I was surprised how much I enjoyed the invisible fighting. Like they just moving the camera around and the sound effects really worked. <laughs> I'm like, I'm simple. Yeah, I think one of the favorite things for me about this episode that I appreciated was just how they filmed it like normal with the invisible stuff. Like uh like the scene of her kicking the can and especially like with the when she listens to the voicemail from Xander and then it cuts to like a reaction shot of like where her face would be but like we don't see anything <laughs> like i thought that was great cuz it's like yeah this is the language of like you know the editing and the shots of this tv show but like we're not seeing like you know this important information that's a good point yoder that's really you're right absolutely right they really like do a good job of conveying the same visuals without someone there like even Buffy just like kicking a can down the road and like I'm like wow they're really keeping up with imaginary Buffy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I bet to a degree great. they did actually choreograph like what the fight would be, you know, even though we don't see any of it. Yeah, I don't know if I need to still say, uh, but Buffy's haircut is very cute uh, when we finally get that reveal. Um, and like you guys talked about, and I'm sure you dealt with a lot in the last episode. It's like at the end, it seems like they're still kind of hitting the magic equals drugs thing kind of hard with willow talking about how difficult it was for her to get through this day you know like when she was doing the uh the hacking at the dmv she was very tempted to speed up that spinning wheel or the progress bar thing so wait so uh, to be clear she yeah she did... made it through clean i think today okay all right yeah yeah i mean that's the whole thing of like why she got caught she didn't magic them like right. she literally like okay put herself in more danger by not like okay, zapping them sense. or something yeah sense. I felt like it was a little bit ambiguous because the, the, the bar does then fill up after she gestures at it. No, I think, yeah, it's just supposed to be the temptation and then, like, she fights it off. Right. Makes sense. And so just the uh, the ending song, I was like, oh, this is a cool ending song. What is it? And it's from uh, the band is called uh, The Trespassers Williams. And the ending song is I Know and it's off their 1999 Anchor album. And it's actually a really fun album. They're, they were an indie rock band, and they eventually broke up um, in 2012. But so, if any of you are curious, that's what their their sound is really fun, and uh, it's a it's a really good. The 90, 1999 album is really fun. So it's called Trespassers Williams. That's the name of the band. It's very strange, but apparently it's from Winnie the Pooh. 
All right. Well, that was Weird Noticings and Trivia. Uh, why don't we move on to questions for the group? Questions for the group. You have turned invisible. What is the first conversation you overhear that you shouldn't have overheard? Been overheard, right? Right? Like, because there can't be any good information that you overhear while invisible. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very unlikely it's going to be like, yeah, you like you you turn invisible and then immediately you uh, overhear like, you know who's awesome, John Landis. Let's do something really nice for him. Like you, that's not what you're going to overhear. Let's you're make overhear. him a cake. Yeah, I was just thinking <laughs> we should make him a cake. <laughs> I mean, John, if you you know, let's overheard all of us talking about you. That would be what it's like for sure. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. No, <laughs> no griping about certain films that may or may not have been watched. So I, I actually have. No, we do that. That's, we do the griping in person. Because <laughs> if, um, if I actually, if I walk away while we're recording this, and then I end up editing the episode, then I actually do get to hear what you say about me when you think I'm dead, which is uh, or invisible, which is kind of amazing. That's true. That's true. Yeah, because we were for a long time just being like, well, John will edit it. <laughs> Uh yeah. So Hope you're not getting spoiled. Uh, what, what, what the question? What what did we say when 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 Polly was invisible? When Polly was invisible. Um no, you talk about what predictions were close or not. Like you oh, literally no. spill it all out. Yeah. Oh, you got some of that talk. Oh no. Yeah, but it's it's all like top secret predictions chats. <laughs> um, but I think there's one where actually you talked about what job you thought I would have. Um. I, th- I don't know why this one stands out to me, probably because it's about a career. Like, oh, I always thought Polly would be a researcher or some kind, like uh, work at a university. I kind of remember I, saying I, that. I don't remember who said that, but that was... I, I said that. I've had that thought many times. Okay, well, it was a John offhand. It was an off-camera or like Polly invisible comment. Wow. And how did wow. that make so you feel? You asked a question you actually had the answer to, which is intense. Well, there is a way of being invisible, yes. Uh, recording everything everyone says. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then leaving the room. Yeah, just just wiretap all your friends. <laughs> what could I don't go think wrong? I had to. I had to do that when uh, I went to visit Dennis back in January when we were uh, went to that small convention and we saw Donna there. Donna was just like trash talking about how like I'm not good at handling uh, games, you know, and like it felt like the thing you would say about me when I wasn't there. But she said it right to my face, and so I got that experience. Uh, you still, yeah, obviously that stinks because you still that remember sucks. it. Again, I just think these are the, these are the things we say to each other. Like, <laughs> I would rather just say it instead of. Uh... Yeah, it's better to just have it out in the open. Also, you do handle losing at games very poorly. <laughs> I know you called me a motherfucker for beating you at the Jurassic Park board game. <laughs> <laughs> you had it easy. You were a dinosaur. <laughs> New podcast idea. Yoder plays oh. games. David gets Irata playing games. Yoder can't lose. One time at a game. Yoder night. can't lose. Yeah, One time at a if game I win, night, Yoder then it's a great experience for me. So but mad lose. that he left the room. And we were roommates at the time. And uh, he left his keys. So I called him. I was like, Yoder, you left your keys. And you almost didn't come back. You were like, who cares? Like, like I don't even want them. Like, like. You weren't even going to, like, come back home that night. Like, you're so angry. Sorry, this is off topic. 
but it cracks me up to think about your anger. Uh, I'd like to, you know, uh, overhear like some cool conversation. We're not cool conversations, like, like, like people that you th- that you definitely know are ripping you off, and you just want to see like, do do they act, you know, conscientious when they're trying to rip you off? Like, you know, at a car dealership when you go to the car manager's office, and there's like the new person comes in uh, because of the be- internet. We all know how buying a car works and the high pressure sales, and you know. That everyone's function in a car in a car dealership like it's not a mystery of how they're trying to get money out, out of you but you always have to wonder you know are they conscientious or you know sympathetic when they when they talk about you in the car in the manager's office um, that'd be one thing to really be interested in and then of course I'm, I'm more of like a practical person I would like to be you know all the restaurants I go to I would just like to be in the kitchen and just like be invisible and be like oh I feel good about going to this burgerville or oh I feel good about going to this restaurant um, you know, I'm like a practical person. Go to More. KFC and find out the 11 secret herbs and spices if you're invisible. You're not going to find out at the local KFC. <laughs> it's, it's the one secret bag of frozen chicken parts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Um, should Dawn be placed with another family? Because I think uh, this episode <laughs> sets you up uh, with a clear direction there. Um, but should Don be fostered by another family? What do you think? It's a, no. It's a good tough I question. I'll have to answer this. I mean, my my yeah, my answer is the same. It's no. I think I think this is the right environment for her. what I think. I in an ideal like non supernatural world, what would happen though is this is a wake up call for Buffy, and it's also finally. Um, like we were like John brought this up in flooded and I know it cause I just listened to that episode. Um, one of the problems with these kids is they're not going to, they're not availing themselves of social services. Like this is now an opportunity for them to finally like start using like government assistance in a lot of ways that they're not and uh, really up their game in terms of like caregiving for Don. Um, whether that happens, whether they just which, like, which is that, a strike against the, the, the social worker that we see. She, she doesn't, I mean, we don't know what's happened off screen, obviously, but she doesn't offer anything in the way of support or um, right uh, information for Buffy. She's just it's she's strictly in a judging role, which and again, I don't know how this works in the real world. Um, probably should because it abuts uh, my job in some ways. But like, um, uh, I don't know if that's a different person or a different role or a different opportunity. But uh, I don't work with child protective services. I work with adult protective services. They're they're very sympathetic. They do a lot of research. They try to help people out with all kinds of resources. So I think that the person, this person, should be offering all kinds of resources to Buffy. So I think it's I think maybe this was this episode was written by someone who had a really bad experience with child protective services. To be quite honest, because I've never met anyone that was like just as unsympathetic as this person. <laughs> or or even yes. more likely, yes, no or no experience. Or no experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were just like writing but like type. they do tons yeah. of research, um, um, hours and hours. Um, they spend with the families, uh, lots of phone calls. I mean, like the idea that you show up for five minutes and then leave is a TV a TV version of the child protective services, much like the TV versions of being a doctor, or firefighter, yeah. or, or CIA spy, or you know, astronaut. Yeah, she didn't even see the whole house. Like that's not a thorough yeah. investigation. Yeah, and I mean, my aunt worked, um, her career was in uh, early childhood intervention, which is, would be a totally different thing than this. But like, that's like, you know, bringing therapy into the family, like doing, 
as much like doing as much resource stuff that we don't see that like yeah so i don't think so i don't think don should be removed from her family like obviously being raised by her sister is like the best environment here like being brought into like a random foster family wouldn't be better uh, i feel like but, the biggest strike against buffy is the the economic issue is still she like needs a good job mark like tune in next week double meat palace all right what ingredients are do you like in your omelet I'm glad you asked this question, Travis. Oh, this is a much lighter question. Um, it's a good question. Because it drove me crazy that uh, uh, Willow just dumped all these like uncooked onions right when like the omelet was al- already almost done. That egg was almost cooked. And like eggs cook a lot quicker than vegetables. Like if you're just going to have this like perfectly cooked egg with raw onions in it, it seems insane to me. Uh. Oh, I- I've made that omelet. Because of inexperience, like, not paying much attention, and it's early in the morning. Yeah, inexperience. It's not a good omelet. Yeah, the raw okay, omelet, okay. omelet All right, sucks. Let, let me let me refine this question. I that. think there's a, this is triggering a couple different things. Number one is how did you first cook eggs when you started cooking eggs? Because this is, this goes to the, the the uncooked vegetables with 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 vegetables or like how did you first make an omelet? How are you making an omelet now? And how long did that take? I think there's an even more preliminary question to this, which is what is an omelet? Because uh, it contains I think, eggs. And it, yes, it contains eggs. But the question is, if it only contains eggs, can it still be an omelet? I don't define it as an omelet unless it's got other stuff. I, that's other my that, you're take just eating on eggs. it as well. But I, and I think this may be an um, uh, Atlantic Ocean problem. Um, I have gotten into a lot of fights with, uh, <laughs> with my partner about what an omelet is. Because wow. to me, if it doesn't have filling, especially if it doesn't have cheese, like it, like like an omelet really ought to have cheese plus vegetables and other things or at least something like at least some cheese it has has to have something in it It has to have a filling otherwise it's not an omelet yeah that's like saying i'm eating a sandwich but the sandwich is just two pieces of bread okay i think that's technically a sandwich sure (laughs) but it's also just called it's it's also just called bread so yes um eggs Sure. So anyways, okay. So she likes call to make like, omelets. Um, so your partner likes to make omelets without ingredients. Okay. All right. I'd that's call fine. that a plain scramble. Like Right, but but apparently like that's a smooth, apparently, a smooth scramble. If you make scrambled eggs, yeah, in the style that you would make an omelet, that's not scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs specifically has to be um like fluffed up in the pan. Okay. To be scrambled eggs. Now is your is your partner making what's called a French omelet? Yeah, I think uh, okay. Maybe? I don't know. It's a it's a very specific shape where it's rolled. <laughs> it's a very it's a very specific rolled egg. Oh shape. no, I don't think she's doing that. Okay, because like because out of yes egg. yes because that yeah. that that would be I would say call that an omelet because it's it, it takes a lot of effort. But okay, all right, let's let's move on. Okay, so John, <laughs> I, all right, I have, I have two omelet circumstances. My homemade omelet, which is basically like the veggies I have in the fridge, right? So like it's it's. Yeah, maybe a little cheese, but mostly just like I'm trying to eat a little bit healthy. So it's like mostly just eating veggies and egg. And then my second omelet is if I am traveling for work and staying at a hotel that has like an in-hotel breakfast place, I get like the most excessive omelet I can because it's all about those perks (laughs) when you're doing work travel. So it's like, give me your fanciest of hams. Give me your like... Your sweetest of cheeses, yeah. Two cheese, only chives. the fanciest of hams, mushrooms, onions. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh man, yeah. Just give me like fresh jalapenos. Give me 
Give me the of words. Of Give course, me two you omelets. And your, you and your jalapenos, Dennis. Of course, you and your Give jalapenos. me a side of bacon, like, because I am workman, and this is okay. not something I have to pay for. All right. Okay, okay. John, let's go back to John. Now, John, you never answered for your omelet issue, and then we'll go to Yoder and then Mike. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I think I'm with Dennis. I, I think, uh, I don't know if I ever met an omelet I didn't like, as long as the thing that gets... The thing that gets screwed up is that people don't. No, your daily, your enough. everyday daily omelet, E D D O. What's your, what's your everyday daily omelet? <laughs> everyday daily, or your everyday omelet, E D O. Everyday daily, that is your morning show. Everyday daily. <laughs> I, I I I do it every day. I don't know day. that I have a a, a go to omelet. I think it's just you got to have onions. You have to have cheese. That's what I'm asking. In a, yeah. Okay. In a perfect world, I think you should have some some kind of a cured meat product in there. Um, but I'm not I'm not particular. I don't Are know. you taking notes, Travis? <laughs> I'm curious. I haven't said what I like. David Yoder, what do you like? I mean, I, I guess I got thrown off by the initial question. Like, I'm not much of an omelet cooker myself. I'll order an omelet at a restaurant, but my omelets I make at home are pretty pathetic and uh so I'll leave it at that. But well, okay. uh, what do you like to order then? Uh, main ingredient uh, in an omelet, other than like cheese and some kind of meat, I, I like uh, having a green pepper in there. That's always good for me. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to a restaurant, it's usually going to be like whatever, like the southern or southwestern omelet type thing. Like I like a little bit of spicy in there. Maybe get some hot sauce with it. You want it coming with afterwards. salsa and sour cream on the side? Yeah, that's okay. I'm not salsa is kind of a weird mix with an omelet for me, but. But I still do like that's that's getting into Southern. Huevos Rancheros territory, which is a whole other thing, and also something yeah. I love and eat pretty <laughs> yeah. often. But you, but you know that they sell, but you know those Southwest omelets come with salsa and sour cream, oftentimes. But yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, that that's my answer. Gosh, it's been so long since I've done an omelet, Travis. I think my go-to right now is I make a breakfast burrito. Yeah. Uh, so cook, I cook six slices of bacon in the in the oven. Um, this because I make two, because make one for me and one for my wife. And then uh, it's, you know, bed of beans, then rice, cheese, and then you watch the cheese melt on the plate, and then you add the eggs, which are probably probably scrambled for the burrito. And then the other thing I do is I put egg, a fried egg, like a fried egg over rice, um, and I love that because then you can add, like, yeah, peppers, onions cooked, and it's fantastic. But I've kind of moved on from the omelet, which was when I did the omelet, old-time pulley. I did the fold-over style omelet. That's like just the classic where you do three eggs in the pan, put your ingredients on, wait for them to start to cook, and when they've cooked enough that you can fold it, then you do the you know add the cheese and do the fold. Because I was really fixated on that Denny's style omelet for a long time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, where are you, Travis? Where are you at right now? Where were you? Where are you? Yeah. Well, um, so at home, obviously, um, right now, right now I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy. You know, I actually, I do two ingredients. One that you guys actually don't use, but I, I strongly recommend. So I'll do just a three eggs. And then um, be- because making, you know, chopping all these vegetables is kind of a pain in the morning when you're making the omelet, I just usually goes for cheese. But I use a seasoning called Fox Point Seasoning by Penzi's Spices. And it's leek and shallot and onion and garlic, like it, it is the best substance known to man. So it's called Fox Point seasoning, which does not sound like food. Okay, it does not sound like food, <laughs> but it's amazing. It's like it's like the best sour cream, like sour cream and chai flavor you've ever had in your life, like ever in your life. Anyway, so that's that's what I that's what I flavor the eggs with, and then I use cheese uh, with that. That's my home. That's my home omelet situation. 
Nice, nice. But when I when I go out, you know, I would do, you know, cheese and, and bacon or, or bacon would be preferred as opposed to sausage or ham. But cheese, uh, mushrooms would be great. Uh, green pepper, sure, whatever. Olives would be great in an omelet, but you know it's just been a long time since I've had an omelet out. But, but so my home omelet is a cheese omelet with the Fox Point seasoning from Penzi Spices. Can't recommend enough, dude. That's a premium spice. I'm looking at this. Is like, is it thirty two dollars for a jar? That's that's premium spice. That's Don't a large spice jar. Shame him. Marco Polo has to go all the way to China to get this thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is, that spice is so expensive. It might as well be spice. All right, uh, let's move on to themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. To me, it's just like this episode really makes light of the whole social services thing and uh, child protective services. Like what Dennis was saying about how like they're kind of trying to paint this character as a villain. I, I don't know. Like I feel like we should be on her side more because she is interested in the safety of Dawn. I, I I don't know, but like she she's like not being very sympathetic about like. Uh, to understand Buffy's situation. And I, I just can't imagine this, this person like having seen like much worse situation. Like if this is how she reacts to like this house, like from a place of like judgment and like looking down, it's like lady, like you're not maybe in the right line of work. I don't know. Yeah. Thanks. Yoder. I, I, I agree. Yoder. I think it would have been, I mean, obviously it's a TV show, so it's supposed to be funny. And this is like a bizarro episode. Like I really can't wrap my head around it, but I agree. I feel like Buffy at the end should have just shown up at the social worker's place, you know, at the, at the office and just sat down and been like, hey, let me tell you, let me tell you my, let me tell you my story and talk about her mom and her kid and, and then like, just talk it out with this person. And, and I feel like that would have been really adult. That would have been like a super adult, like transformation. Like Buffy needs to get that transformation to being adult, adult, adult. And that would have done it. But they, they instead they went for funny. The other theme in this episode, magic is drugs. You know, uh, Willow goes through withdrawal. They really, they really hit it pretty hard early on. And then they have Willow kind of, actually at this moment, I don't think we talked about where Xander accuses Willow of making Buffy invisible (laughs) with no, you know, no evidence, but like it probably is Willow is responsible. He's like, (laughs) what did you do? How'd you do it? You know, like, let's undo it. I did like Xander calling out there, like, we've literally all been cursed by you before multiple (laughs) times. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, that was a really lovely scene. And I like how Willow's defensive and it's just a brilliant scene. And then she goes to solve, you know, figuring out where the trio are without magic. And like that moment where she wants to reach for the computer because the loading is taking so long. Like that is apparently a timeless joke that works now. Because uh, we all experienced <laughs> that issue. Um, so, yeah, the, the magic has drugs. I mean, it's fun because, you know, those come up as drugs to the social worker. Like, I don't know. And uh, she doesn't appear to be, like, having headaches or anything or, like, convulsing. Like, they really hit it much harder with the recovery part of that um, in the previous episode where she's literally, like, a heroin addict. So I, I do appreciate that they kind of pulled back from that a little bit. But they didn't. They could have gone all in, but clearly, like they're they're moving on to a new storyline. They don't want us to focus on that. It's more Willow is a detective who solves crimes of the supernatural variety without magic. She uses her technological ability, which is similar in scope, whatever. But uh, anyway, that's it. Magic is drugs. Uh, I think that's all we got for themes and deep stuff. 
so why don't we move on to recommendations? Recommendations. You know, it's, it was actually really hard to pare down my recommendations because, <laughs> like, we don't do invisible episodes very much, and there's so much invisible stuff. So anyway, I'm going to start with... Uh, not where you think I'm going to start. I'm going to start with the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie because that's got the <laughs> Invisible Girl in it. And cause Have you seen this? The Fantastic Four movies are terrible. And somehow the Roger Corman wasn't even meant to be released movie is the best one still yeah, after is. all these years. It's, and it's, that's not saying a lot. Like, it's not good. <laughs> but it's certainly better than any other it's, Fantastic Four movie. It is. And then I'm going to just for... You know, you, you got to do the original, The Invisible Man. So I'm going to do, there's so many Invisible Man movies. There's The Invisible Man Returns. There's like The Invisible Agent. It just keeps going. But so I'm just going to do the original the Invisible Man with Claude Rains and then jump all the way to the new Elizabeth Moss version, which was really good. And I'm going to more heavily even recommend that. Uh, that movie was super strong and all about like um, gaslighting and domestic abuse as invisible uh issues and then even though it doesn't actually involve becoming invisible i'm going to recommend the movie the invisible ray starring both boris karloff and bella lugosi i think this is the only movie they're both in where they both get to talk because um in the frankenstein movies boris doesn't talk uh it's super good it's more it's about like uh radiation poisoning from a meteor but it involves a that's the invisible ray. Uh, just because they keep saying invisibility ray in that movie, so I kept being like invisible ray. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the Paul Verhoeven Hollow Man. Uh, that was like oh, the yeah. Invisible Man for our teenage years, and uh, I mean it's good because it's it's creepy. It gets into it gets very hard into the like what is creepy about being invisible. Um, and then to lighten it up. Uh, I will recommend the the beach movie, The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini, which also has Boris Karloff and Basil Rathbone is like, um, you know, a camp invisible movie. So that's what I've got. You should watch The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini. At least watch the trailer. It's fun. Uh, it's got uh, Nancy Sinatra. It's a cheese fest, you know. I just thought of now, if it's okay to add, uh, yeah. to kind of match with this episode, how the invisibility is mostly for humor. Um, I would say Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man. Uh, oh yeah, you know, like uh, call. Th- those are fun. Now let's get into predictions. Virgin predictions. Okay, predictions. So, uh, Michael. At present, you are at a 63.86% accuracy for Buffy overall. Uh, for season six, your average is quite a bit higher at a 72.5%. So, uh, in this episode, the few things that we might be able to address here. Okay. I see Dennis has highlighted some that I missed. Well done, Dennis. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> season one, episode 11... Uh, Michael predicts that Invisible Assassins will make a comeback. Marcy gets name-checked in this episode. Yep, yep, and, does. And even oh, does Anya's, that count? 
as well, making even a Anya is like isn't a slayer an invisible slayer even more powerful and more dangerous? I feel like they're they're mm. is playing the slayer with this just another kind of assassin. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like they're playing with this invisible assassin thing. They're referencing it. Yeah, I think he has to. I think we have to award it to him because they were trying to assassinate and kill Buffy. But they weren't oh, like yeah. assassins, assassins. Like they oh, weren't. Warren true. is an invisible assassin. You have to debate what an invisible assassin is, but I got to try to kill Willow as invisible assassins. Yeah, or they kidnapped Willow. Yeah. Okay. Oregon. I didn't think we were going to confirm this one, but yeah, I'm I'm persuaded by these arguments. Uh, I think it sounds like we're going to confirm that one. Well done. So that's what that that is a season one prediction confirmed. Uh, it's been a long six. time since we brought up season a season it's one. It's been a long road. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, in season two, episode 12, Michael predicted Buffy will not have children. So as a legal guardian, right? Yeah. We have total confirmation she is the legal guardian of of Dawn. Spike calls her the mother. Yeah. She's a good Yeah. The question is, do we interpret children as biological children or is, is guardianship sufficient to say that Buffy has children? I've also made this argument multiple times that Don is the biological child of uh, Buffy, right. but I would get that's away a little from that bit right now. hairier argument. Yeah, what does it mean to have children? Because I've always argued if, Don as Buffy's kid. And certainly, if uh, Buffy were a more traditional adoptive parent, that we would say that she has children, right? So it's not biology isn't really the, the issue here. Um, she has legal guardianship. She is acting in a motherly role in multiple ways i feel like since legally she's been considered like i don't know you almost have to like say that like yes don is her child because don this whole episode is about the threat of don being taken away and that she would no longer be her child right sorry is it really about that threat or is it about having fun being invisible (laughs) i mean it's about multiple things I, it's just the only th- my only pause here is that the phrase "have children" in, when you say someone has children it implies that that someone's given birth. That yeah. is literally what I intended, and I go get <laughs> the record. If, that, if that's literally, then we have to go by literal. That that precedent. But that's not literally what literal intentions. No, no. Well, the, the, to, to have to have children so can be literal intention. To have children is a literal phrase. Like it's a literal. It, yeah, there, there is yes. a literal. Yes. Depiction of having children. Yes. So the prediction should be Buffy will not give birth to a child? Is that <laughs> what you I mean? probably yeah. didn't say give birth because it sounds gross to say it. <laughs> yeah. I think we leave this one open. We leave I, this I open do bro. think that I think that I think that I can accept that have children means uh in the case, in this case to 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 parent a child and I'm gonna just no no to give right birth. in parentheses give birth on give that birth. one because I so it doesn't yeah. come Son up. Son of a bitch. No, I do not like the the, the no <laughs> Uh, no, the president said by retroactively editing. We're going to argue about this at the end of season seven. If he doesn't like, we're all going to forget we're gonna, we had this conversation. <laughs> he, he needs just to put the the things in there so we don't have the same conversation okay. in, in nine months. I'm right, adding a yeah. new column for notes so that we can keep notes separate in the predictions spreadsheet, separate from the original it might prediction. Break it. it might break Should the say notes or intentions. <laughs> Yeah, you can. You can. What, well, that's yeah, fine. It should be important that if we've made like preliminary rulings on a case, it. Yeah, fine. I've been arguing about this for so long. As soon as like 
uh, Mike made that prediction. I was like, Don's. Go- I was like, ha, 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 ha. in three years, Don's going to show up and be. And then I'm going to make this argument. <laughs> in three years. <laughs> I was trying yes. to be on your side there. I mean, like that's how I see it with Dude. this episode, at least. But. That's so funny. Okay, so I think we're going to leave that one open because we're going to interpret that having children means giving birth in this case. <laughs> Season four, episode nine, uh, Michael makes the prediction that Spike will make exactly one joke about the time that he and Buffy planned their wedding uh, together in season four. So I think so. This is um, something blue. Um, There's a moment in this episode where uh, Buffy and Spike are having a little back and forth and and Spike is teasing her by giving her a lot of pet names. I think you can make the argument that he's making a reference here to the cutesy pet names that they gave each other. Uh, in this episode, in season in uh, in season four, anybody think that that's a reference to that episode? I didn't, but um... yeah, I don't think it is. Only because it's not the exact cute names; it's just different pet names. It seems to be they've forgotten um, that that uh, that episode completely. Which you'd think they'd bring it up about at least once. I mean, well, what's I going mean, on now? But Xander did bring up that they'd all been cursed by her. Right. Uh, True. Which is vaguely a reference to that, but also a reference to many other episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Ooh, interesting. Okay. Season five, episode 21. Uh, Michael predicts that Faith will not be invited to Xander and Anya's wedding. I think we might have to leave this one open. So we do have the screenshot of uh, the the wedding uh, there, and uh, Faith's name is nowhere to be seen. And probably this is going to be confirmed i think we have to leave this one maybe open for now because uh only because the uh image that i was able to grab was not a complete image there there are people out of frame on the seating chart that we we don't know who they are for all we know faith could be the one person sitting at the table with dawn could just be a dawn and faith table faith is still Uh, in prison (laughs) I feel like it would go smoother to stick to the demon traditions for the wedding than to have faith at the wedding. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sure this one will be able to confirm at some point. I mean, it seems logical, but uh, I think we leave it open for now just because I can't based on the basis of this episode. I don't think just because the the screenshot was incomplete. I would love some, uh, some uh, fan fiction, like wedding crasher style fan fiction with like faith crashing Xander's wedding (laughs) and like having to break out of prison to crash her ex lover's wedding. That'd be amazing. Season six, episode two. What's that? I said, there's our script right there. (laughs) Season six, episode two. Uh, Michael predicts Buffy will forgive Willow for resurrecting her. Uh, Dennis, why did you highlight this one? Uh, Well, because at the end of this episode, Buffy finally seems to come to some sort of acceptance about being alive. Um, True. Which is okay. Her major struggle she's been having since being resurrected. She right. realizes she does in fact want to live, and she's she reflects all this directly to Willow. She's talking to Willow about it. Um, yeah. I don't think I wouldn't. I don't know if we get the the point now, but like I feel like it came close and it was like worth like bringing up. Um, I would actually consider confirming this one. I, I feel like that 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 actually makes sense. I'm persuaded by that argument. Anybody right, anybody feel? object to confirming Travis. this one? Okay, <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and confirm that one. That's the second confirmation. 
Well, if we're going to do that, we should go ahead and deny that having children thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) Season six, episode 10. Uh, There will be no consequences for Willow stealing slash destroying a car. The reason I bring this one up here is because it's very clear that Dawn is keeping a grudge about it, which I feel like is in in and of itself a consequence that the damage, uh, the damage to the relationship between Willow and Dawn is measurable. Yeah. Uh, And that therefore that, 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 that in and of itself is a consequence. What do you guys think about that? I agree. I mean, Dawn is literally like walking around with like, uh, her arm in a sling this whole episode. That's right. a consequence. Um, I, I know Mike totally meant like the legal consequences yeah. of the police looking for a <laughs> stolen car. It says no consequences, Travis. Yeah. I, Dawn also seems more annoyed at Buffy than she does with Willow this episode. True. But again, the relationship is clearly damaged. Uh, Fine, let's just deny it. And okay. On. Jeez. Uh, season six, episode 10, Michael predicts Willow isn't giving up ma- magic. I wanted to discuss this one in terms of whether or not she was magicking the uh, DMV screen, but it sounds like everybody is in agreement that she was not. Uh, that's just me being weird. So uh, that one stays open. Uh, we don't know right. whether or not uh, she will use magic again in the future. Um, okay, so that looks like... Uh, that also seems like a rough thing. Like, if she uses magic once, that means she's not giving it up. Like, if she makes an honest effort to still, like, not use magic... Like, like you know, like, you can have an addiction problem and you can slip once, but then, like... I, I Sorry. She's an addict, should, Yoder. She's yeah. an addict, you know? She can't stop. Okay, so uh, that's two confirmations and one denial, which... Uh, brings your overall accuracy up to a 63.88 and your accuracy for season six, uh, I believe, comes down to a 72.09. Great. Well, I have more predictions because let's just keep keep making them. Um, All right. Prediction one, I believe that at least one member of the trio is going back to the arcade. And I'm mentioning (laughs) it as the arcade from season six, episode 11. You would think that they shouldn't, like they've been shamed, but they love arcades. One of this trio members going back there. Two, Spike and Buffy are going to go as dates to Xander and Anya's wedding. That might make Spike into a wedding crasher, but Spike is going to that wedding. Three, we'll meet Uncle Rory at Xander and Anya's wedding. Uncle Rory Ayadori. Uh, and then four, this is another John's curse. Um, someone will use an iPod. I'm Buffy. <laughs> that does seem inevitable, doesn't it? I have no idea if it does happen or not. That does seem inevitable. It's like when right around how many Apple products we see. And then if they use an iPod Nano instead of like just an iPod Classic or something, you guys will debate if it counts for the... <laughs> we'll a really fun discussion about it. She used an MP3 player. That's not an iPod. You can't count that. Oh, that's a very good point. It could just be an MP3 player. But I'm going to say an but iPod. But this show is very Apple, right? Yeah. Totally. Gen 1 iPod. Five, this is my super prediction. Something like it's super here. Somebody will come forward during Anya's wedding, during the speak now, forever hold your peace part. And, uh, you know, I don't know what will ensue. Probably comedy. But someone will come forward. Probably some old demon. But I don't want to say who. Because it could be Faith and that would be amazing. (laughs) But it's probably not Faith. (laughs) What a twist. It's such a, like, TV or movie thing, like, to have someone actually, like, bring up a complaint (laughs) at that point in the wedding. Like... Versus reality, how many times that happens? Yeah, I don't know what that moment's called. There's probably there's definitely a name for it. 
All right, guys. Uh, David Yoder, where can people find your shit? And what is your shit about? <laughs> My shit is not invisible. It uh, is usually comics related um, uh, and sometimes movie related. I'm on the Twitters as uh, Awesome Yoder. And so that's the word awesome and my last name, Yoder, Y-O-D-E-R. Uh, you can find me online at Dennis Comics. That's Dennis with one N, Comics with an X, D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. That's my Instagram, my Twitter, my dot com. Uh, you can buy my mi- monster-themed mini comics on my, you know, everywhere. Uh, and uh, my Patreon is Dennis St. John, D-E-N-I-S-S-T-J-O-H-N. If you want to read my monster comics and my dream comics and see my dinosaur illustrations, all that shit. The dream comics have been pretty fun lately, Dennis, gotta say. Thank you. Uh, thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Don't forget to rate us and review us and subscribe and all that stuff. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube. Our Twitter is Buffy Virgin Pod. Our Instagram is Buffy Virgin. Buffy Virgin.